Bing bong, it is I, Future Leon, with a brief apologetic intro. <laughs> it's been a tough year, and perhaps we had a lot of general venting to do, and unfortunately Chibbers and his team just stepped into the line of fire. But either way, we were perhaps at times excessively negative in this little bonus reaction episode. Slash, I was. <laughs> so sorry about that. We are aware that hundreds of people were involved in the production of this New Year special, and they worked their asses off to bring us this long-awaited Doctor Who content. And regardless of how we may feel about that content, and you're about to find out, we are immensely grateful to them for doing so. Bear in mind, this is a bonus episode, not one of our regular proper reviews, so in two years' time, when we've caught up with the show and we really review it, hopefully we won't be overcompensating for ten months of isolation, and we'll be able to see this episode in a more positive light. So... With this introductory apology now out of the way, please <laughs> enjoy the show. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between of Podcast Land. Welcome to 2021. <laughs> We're here with you today to give you our instant-ish reaction to B070, Revolution of the Daleks. And who do we have with us? Well, next to me, I have the one and only... Oh, she's looking at me. It's Jim. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Jim. And across from him, we have the gentleman in black. Oh, that's me, Leon. Hello. Hello, Marie. Hello, Jim. And we have the gentleman in the dashing burgundy. It's Drew McWayne, the only one left after 20 <laughs> Hello, Drew. Oh. Hello, Podcast Land. Hi, Drew. <laughs> Hi, Leon. Hi, Jim. Hi, Marie. Hi, Podcast Land. Okay, high level, what did people think? People have said different things on podcast on WhatsApp, some less ambiguous than others. <laughs> Sorry, Drew, for being an open book. <laughs> well, well, Jim was the most open book via his vomit emoji. <laughs> hey, hey, it was holding the vomit in. <laughs> There's some ambiguity there. <laughs> Marie, what did you think? Um, did you agree with that? This episode made me angry more than anything else. <laughs> All right. Yes, because you said over WhatsApp that you hadn't stopped talking about it for half an hour and Jim couldn't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Which that's is exactly excellent. what I said. And that's exactly probably what's going to happen tonight. So I apologize in advance for talking over everyone. But I have feelings, very strong feelings. <laughs> about this well, they shall be heard i don't know um, about you drew you've been of a closed book i won't say it was any better than me um I, I i gave the most well what abby thought was a very withering review of it after seeing it last night which was it was very competent was it though really <laughs> i feel like they made a show <laughs> i did send a message uh, to a, a buddy of mine before we press record to say like oh yeah you should absolutely watch this episode it's um it's an episode and yeah. that's pretty much as far as i'm willing to go i would have to concur with berlin on this one i am not a fan of this episode and i think more so it's unfortunately affirms certain negative thoughts i have had about this era of doctor who that have been crystallizing gradually yeah. over the last few months slash years yeah do you think 2020 has just l made everyone lower their expectations so much? So just producing an episode is just good enough so far this year. <laughs> it, well, d this was recorded not in 2020. This was filmed in January 2019. Yes, and I think that's quite January. interesting. Yeah, wow. January 2019. This was filmed like right after uh, Evolution of the Daleks, I guess. Oh. 
Resolution. Wow. Oh, Resolution. Sorry, that's the one. Sorry. Well, I think that was when uh, the Spyfall series was filmed as well. So that was all filmed in the same block with Captain Jack and everything. I think that had 2020 not happened, this episode might have been a, a bit less shit piled on top of everything else because its its tone is so woefully bleak. It's so twilight gloomy that if, if they'd been able to record it after 2020, they'd have been like, oh no, we need something happier. We need something more fun. We can't go with this, but this is what they had. Yeah. yeah anyway, but- they could have done a post and made it less gloomy, do you think? Or would it have just, was it too hard to rescue? It's quite a lot to be redone. <laughs> But but that but that is true. Yeah, it's unfortunate timing that this sad episode dropped now. But why make a sad episode to begin with? It's a festive special. Yeah, it's the start of a new year. Let's bum everyone out. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> What? Oh, no, I I'm really sorry. No, it. this episode is a flaming bag of horseshit, and I, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Should we just do a round? Do you want to kick us off for something, Marie? <laughs> yeah, Marie, please do the honors. Uh, I'm gonna start small. Uh, Mr. Big, whatever his name is, could he be any more like a marketing manual? Everything out of his mouth was just, oh yeah, the I don't know any marketing speak. What did it yeah, mean? what's what's the business benefit to this? Yeah. From being shot or you know <laughs> like oh, dude no, look it's out so the boring <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I feel like Chib has googled mm, what are some business terms and then just tried to interpolate 10 to 15 of them like, exactly. that, that's it did you guys also feel that Mr. Big just looked up his name uh, Jack Robertson the character did you feel that he was also trying to channel sort of a Donald Trump but <laughs> moderately intelligent you're very well, generous with your moderate because that, that was what he was meant to be before but I didn't get that in this one actually i thought he was well i just gonna sound like a compliment to trump because i thought in this one he was just shit <laughs> but, Careful, Jim. a different kind of shit <laughs> but he is more competent than trump right? as but, a but, businessman less competent as a light entertainment presenter uh, yes true yes <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah. i made a note of one of his lines you're too clever this is why people don't like experts which felt like maybe oh. that was a bit of a yeah hint hint i think i took it more as because this is a British show and he was selling it to the British Prime Minister the um, I can't I can't remember where the, where the line actually fit in who he was talking to but we had that in the UK we had uh, Michael Gove in particular saying that exact phrase yeah and that might well have been in 2019 or actually oh, really? it was earlier but I, I thought it was more a reference to that which you can do as a bit of tongue-in-cheek in that context but to put it in now like that's something you could have dropped in the edit I feel <laughs> yeah no that that's definitely the reference I got I thought it was a, a very particular thing referencing Gove, which, yeah, was years ago now and isn't relevant anymore. Yeah. So. Oh, I didn't get that. I... Like, they wrapped it two years ago and it feels like no one's watched it since. They've just pressed play and gone, oh, that was finished. We don't need to have a, a run through. And whereas actually they could have surely made some small tweaks and made it feel a bit more 2021 friendly. Just having a character on television saying, I've had enough of experts coming from the BBC, coming from Doctor Who. I don't care he's the villain. But it's like, just, just cut it out. Just... No. Oh, I see. I disagree with you because I disagree with you because I think because he is the villain and because in my eyes he represents the the Trumpian side of things. I think that's a fairly relevant indictment of, as you said, Drew, what is still going on today. Anyway, yes, we all agree this is what the climate is looking like right now. We all know fake news here and real news over there, and that's all great. Blah 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 blah. What else is about this particular episode? 
Jim, um, next bullet point. Can I put forward exhibit B? Yes. Uh, well, in fact, ex- we, that probably wrapped up exhibits A to C, so let's do exhibit D for Dalek. Because <laughs> what the fuck was going on with the Daleks in this? Like, why have we got a Dalek stood around being terrible Bond villain and ex- exposing all over the scene? And why are they all so dumb they'll fly into the TARDIS, which isn't the TARDIS that they meant to fly into? Like, they're just shit. They're absolutely terrible in this. Yeah, there's quite a lot that's wrong with the Daleks. There's also quite a lot to unpack with what you just said because that, that, yeah. that's a lot of bullet points um, this, this might be how I go through this I'm sorry <laughs> okay wh- why don't we start with the expository Bond villain Dalek that is the exact same Dalek that we encountered in Resolution right that is the reconnaissance Dalek or what remains of reconnaissance Dalek basically yeah so was that Dalek talking to the Doctor and giving away details and I do remember there was something rather sinister about it talking to the person that it was squid that it was, you know, puppet mastering. But were there similar monologues? I feel like, if anything, there would have been a scene where the Dalek is 30 paces away from the Doctor and the TARDIS team and is in its shell and has the weapons available. Whereas this is the Dalek on someone's back puppeting, walking a foot, two feet in front of people. One of which is, as Marie pointed out, of uh, Jack with his squareness gun. Yeah. Which he happily uses on Yaz when she's got a Dalek on her back. So why doesn't he just square the other Dalek away? I don't understand why he didn't just use the squareness gun on the entire facility. I thought you were going to say well, on the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of assume that your first paragraph here, Drew, is going to be there was a squareness gun to begin with because yeah, we you all guys know. Have stolen my bullet point. Thanks, I've <laughs> done. Oh, oh. <laughs> as soon as it came on, though, I was like, Drew's going to love this episode. <laughs> <laughs> or more accurately, love to hate this episode. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Okay, so uh, another thing that you mentioned there, Jim, all the Daleks going into the other TARDIS. Did all the Daleks go in? Is there any guarantee of this? Do we know? Does anyone check whether there are other Daleks around? The whole concept of some versus all, in every context, is dealt with incredibly liberally in this episode. (laughs) Oh, uh, every single cloned Dalek has been killed. How do you know? Did you check? Yeah. <laughs> you are the last assume, one. How do you know? <laughs> I assume these Death Squad Daleks actually have a functioning link to their semi-defunct hive mind. That's what makes them so much deadlier than the average Dalek. I so also don't like talk. that there's yet another kind of Dalek here. Why not just have yeah. Daleks? What, we had the Reconnaissance Dalek, now we've got the Death Squad Daleks. Yeah but, yeah, but in Classic Who, they had the Special Weapons Dalek, and whenever that appears, or is referenced even in New Who, the whole fanbase blue as one. Yeah, mostly because I think it really only appears twice or thrice. Right. Because Yeah, aside from that, you have Daleks, and then you have, you know, the Dalek Supreme, the Dalek whatever, you know, the, the leader Daleks, but... Well, Chibbers is trying to come up with new cool kinds of Daleks. They Chibbers did it should not be allowed to write this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say, in defense of the some or all of the Daleks flying into the TARDIS, yeah. first of all, I think they would have said, they will have issued an order, perhaps it was even heard in the episode and I've just forgotten it. All Daleks assemble around the Doctor, enemy of the Daleks, everybody get here now, I'm talking about every last one. That would have saved it, that would have been a perfect retro rewrite. Well, I, I don't <laughs> think that's too implausible. Um, but, but I would also say that the shot of all the Daleks streaming into the TARDIS 
I mean, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was really that. great. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, I was like, holy shit, what I, happens now? Yeah, I'll tell you what happens yeah. now. The, the, the doctor folds the TARDIS in on itself, which, let me just clarify, that is tantamount to a mob boss box squeezing a car at a rubbish tip while a snitch is pleading inside of it. Like, that is not okay for a good guy to do. <laughs> She's just got out after a long stretch. She's a little bit uh, confused at this point as to which way is up in morality turns. Hmm. All right, uh, Drew, I feel like it's your turn. You feel the squareness gun has been taken away from you. Okay, let's talk companions because uh. Graham has fuck all to do in this episode. And ordinarily, well, that is ordinarily, but you can't go with that again when it's his swan song. Yeah, well, because they gave Ryan a big swan song talk. I was not impressed by the Ryan monologue either, I must say. No. I wasn't oh emotionally <laughs> engaged in any of this. The, the difficulty, I think, comes with we would have more sympathy for them in any other year. Like, ten months without you, Doctor. Oh, we were, we were worried about you, but we've all gone ten months without most of our basic liberties, which we've hitherto taken for granted. And so we're like, ten months? Get over yourselves, you soft northern... I don't know what. Yeah. But I think to come back to your point, Leon, that there was no emotional connection there. It just felt like that that conversation between Ryan and the Doctor, A, it went on for so, so long. And B, yeah, they're not talking to each other like he's a proper companion. If you think about every other emotional connection with every other Doctor and companion, you feel that there. If you're you're about to walk away, it's heartbreaking. And he was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Oh, you've been in prison. Oh, I bet that sucks. Like... There's not like it just doesn't well, care. See, and right see, the yeah, end, that's the thing. Right at the beginning. Right at the beginning, they think that the doctor's dead and they're just like, Get over it, Yaz. She's dead. Like that's that's the level of emotion. Yeah. In um, this episode. And and not just that, it then goes on. This was gonna be my my, my contribution, my paragraph as well. That I feel like the, the weighting of all of these scenes is incorrect. It's placed on their burden of having been without the doctor for ten months and not on the doctor who's literally just told them that she was in space jail for decades yeah. uh, they don't give a shit and he, and she never calls them out on it she never goes well hey i was I, i'm traumatized i was just in prison this guy he's my friend he broke me out you guys have had a tardis haven't even looked for me he spent you, 19 years breaking 19 around. years exactly like, yeah can someone ask me how i'm doing <laughs> but instead absolutely. when they just constantly lament that she's so selfish for having left without having said goodbye or not having come back sooner or having incorrectly calibrated her TARDIS to arrive, you know, 10 months too late, she still apologizes. She should not apologize in that situation. She should go, oh, I see what it's like. All right, you guys are selfish kids. Fuck all of you. You are now <laughs> staying here. I'm going traveling with Captain Jack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking literally. Yes. But this this was Jim's point, was like that the scene with Yaz where she is furious and she pushes her and she's like how could you leave us fair enough have that have this like raw emotion there but there needs to be a follow-up scene where the doctor says i'm sorry i couldn't come sooner i was in prison for decades and then yaz should have a moment of remorse and go oh shit i was really selfish and stupid for having that response of course you came back to us as soon as you could like be grateful that she came back at all and that's missing yeah so what are the character arcs here like if we just look at this one episode what are the arcs that these (laughs) three all of them superfluous in my mind in today's episode 
companions undergo. Yaz starts with, oh my god, I gotta find the doctor. The doctor arrives. She hasn't done anything. The second there's a mission, like the opportunity to go elsewhere rather than stay with the doctor, she takes said mission and goes with Captain Jack instead of staying with the doctor. Where does Ryan start? Just as you just said, Marie, like Ryan starts with, oh, don't worry about it. She's dead. Like, just get over it. And then it's, oh, she's leaving. I am over it. I'm staying here. He's undergone no... I just want to go and play with my buddies. Like, that's all he's going to do is missing his mates. Like, come on. Yeah, I'm going to climb back up on that mountain to cycle. Why go to a mountain? It angers me so much. (laughs) And... Cycle around your back garden, you doofus. You had to, there's no way you can get on that mountain for a bike ride except with a freaking BBC helicopter. I think you might be overestimating the amount of mountains we have in Sheffield. I'm pretty sure you can just walk there. I listened as prep for today's episode. I mean, as you can tell, I have prepared. I listened to our <laughs> review of um, Resolution, in which yeah. you point out, Marie, <laughs> that all of the locations are perfectly correct, except for this mountain that is like somewhere in Wales. Like, it is <laughs> very far away. <laughs> okay. okay, that's fine. But no, my issue with that scene was more that, oh, we've got, there's a, what was it like a troll was attacking someone in Finland, in Finland and yeah. something else was happening in Croatia. Some gravel beast. Gravel beast in Croatia. In Korea. Korea. Oh, Korea, sorry. Yeah. And um, North or South? And we have, oh, who knows? Um, oh, Korea. And we have, um, <laughs> now we have the, uh, what are they called? The little cards. Oh, psychic paper. We have psychic paper. Yeah. And at the beginning of the episode, this is their arc, at the beginning of the episode, they go, oh, if only we had psychic paper, look what we could achieve. Now they have psychic paper and instead of going to fix these problems and to save the trolls they go nah i just want to ride my bike first thanks that's so true i didn't even think about that book ending that is oh that is incredibly dumb oh (laughs) because because the trolls in finland how you're gonna stop them is by cycling at them really fast in a really straight line so he just (laughs) needs to get this skill under his belt and then he'll go and save the world yeah finland also famously mountainous that's why this is perfect training ground for it i gotcha no actually this makes perfect sense. My, sense. My, my only note at that point was like, why did the doctor give give them psychic paper rather than the standard thing of here's a mobile phone that you can reach me with? Like this because is she doesn't want to hear from them. Ever yeah, this again. is so incredibly clearly just severing all ties, just cutting that umbilical cord. <laughs> yeah, here you go. <laughs> Giving them psychic papers is like giving them uh, a couple grand or something to for a start in life. <laughs> you know, like, here yeah, you go, there yeah. you go. <laughs> hey, my take, well, not really seriously, but my take is it's actually even worse because they're going to go and do something really stupid with that psychic paper. They will be dead within a week. <laughs> I, well, if we're lucky. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Okay. Oh, oh yeah. My, go other, for my other issue about the scene in the TARDIS with Ryan and the Doctor is we get a little countdown we get we're arriving in four minutes so let's talk for four minutes really awkwardly since when have we had a countdown to go anywhere we press a button and then we arrive yeah that's true it's not like the the time vortex is a is a physical distance or even a spatio-temporal distance that the TARDIS can only traverse at a certain speed otherwise it would take a lot more than four minutes to have any of the previous adventures exactly like has that ever happened before where they have a like a wait to get somewhere so it's just an excuse to have this monologue this dialogue in our upcoming audio book strange reading the doctor is going to have a chat with Yaz she goes to the trouble of actually 
actually stopping the TARDIS in the middle of the vortex Indeed. so that they can have that conversation. As long as it <laughs> takes, whatever. There is actually some fucking thought put into it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why that bothered me. Jim will come <laughs> well, in and do what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose, I, I I suppose it would be pos- dangerous for the Doctor to stop in the vortex because now there's just a Dalek ship roaming the time vortex, which was the point I never got around to being annoyed about before. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Jim, go ahead. I was going to say, I could possibly, maybe, if I was feeling particularly generous, let it slide, if they were going halfway across the universe yeah. in four minutes. But they're not. They're going a few countries over on Earth. I mean, it's obviously more than a few countries, but, you know, it's <laughs> not a long journey for the TARDIS. It's just, yeah, it is just so that they can shoehorn in this really awkward scene. Yeah. I think you can basically sum up the three companions' arcs as Yaz hasn't had a better offer, so is obsessed with the Doctor. Ryan is going to America, so let's see him act for a bit before he goes. Can we had him first? Isn't that nice? And Graham, you just go back to the chase. He's fine. Well, yeah. <laughs> you're going to go back to the chase. Yeah, he's already bought his huge house uh, off the back of a couple of seasons of Doctor Who, but, but the character of Graham clearly would like to stay in the TARDIS. <laughs> he's basically chosen to miss out on the retirement of his dreams because of some poorly written miserable loser who doesn't even appreciate him <laughs> yeah, I don't know that was the thing that really bothered me about Graham was that so Ryan comes in and he goes oh guys I'm not coming with you sorry and then the doctor's like okay what about the rest of you and immediately Graham's looking like that awkward guy at a party who doesn't really want to be there and someone else has just said they're leaving so he's like oh I'll jump <laughs> on the back with you <laughs> Because if we leave at the same time, I don't have to make my own separate exit in half an hour when I'm really tired. Oh, um, oh interesting. I didn't see it like that. It, did, it didn't look like he wanted to stay. It looked like he had basically decided as soon as Ryan said. I thought this was a somewhat subpar attempt at making Graham even more sympathetic as a would-be parent, or grandparent rather, because he prioritises his grandkids above his own desires. His grandkid is an adult and doesn't want him there you can I know. see he's like crying my style it's like oh god granddad I want to go and hang out with my mates and now you're going to be there and like, throughout I mean, this entire episode every speak. single time that those two have interacted uh, Ryan has done nothing but diss his granddad yeah yeah which is a weird step back from the point they'd got to but it's just so they can take that step back forward again at the end when he does call him granddad <laughs> yeah. yeah but if they hadn't put that scene in there would you not be left thinking what quality time is in the future of these two people like, he, he is going to be playing Xbox with his mates nine hours of the day, and Graham's going to be just, I don't know, binging game shows that he doesn't host anymore. Yeah, like, in between cancer appointments at the hospital. Oh, oh yeah. Hmm. No, they have to leave the TARDIS together so they, they can both witness the same vision. The vision! Oh, my, oh, I totally the, forgot the vision. About the vision. Yes. Oh, what? So, Excuse, somebody explain this vision to me, please. I don't know what happened. But do they both see her? As yeah. in, is she there and are ghosts real? <laughs> I, I think somehow there's a gas pipeline up on that mountain and there's a leak. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a joint hallucination. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
unless they're gonna write her back in this next series and there's gonna be something about she's maybe she maybe she didn't die maybe she got pushed into a parallel universe or something like if they do that great but if that if this is the last we see of her then it's just absolute bullshit because it it doesn't fit in with anything else from the episode it's so just shoehorned in there to remind everyone that why they have this connection because it's not obvious because maybe this is yet one more attempt at stealing from another franchise we've already had them Vulcan mind melding stealing that from Star Trek now she's like Obi-Wan Kenobiing on this mountain no it's rubbish and also I was gonna say Marie you said it would be great if she came back and she'd gone into a parallel universe and they would deal with that next series in series 11 a parallel universe pretended to have stolen her and the whole point was that she wasn't there so if they were to do that Uh no no, there's no way this could be good there's no way she should have appeared it is just baseless (laughs) schmaltz Oh, I'd forgotten about that. No, that's very like, true. It's so bad. I would rather have had like a wispy voiceover of of them both kind of remembering her, like, and that would have been just a small scene. Yeah. But it's or, just... or just having a genuine emotional connection, which this episode oh, yeah. can't was lacking. muster between two of any two characters. Yeah. Occasionally, Jack and the Doctor, maybe. Oh. No, I think that's just John Barrowman's innate charisma and Jodie Whittaker being a half decent actor i don't think it's got anything to do with the writing (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's probably probably unfortunately i agree as well i think i think that's yeah i think that's the biggest problem no it's not the biggest problem there's lots of problems but the yeah just all the way through the writing was abysmal and almost like nobody had a chance to be an emotional actor but i also blame all the actors apart from jodie whittaker and john barrowman so (laughs) i'm starting to blame jodie whittaker as well quite frankly She's a a good, yeah, she's, (laughs) she clearly has acting chops because on a few occasions throughout her run so far, either on air or off the air, we've gone, oh, wow, actually, this was like, she got to act and she did it, like, well done, but she still doesn't seem like the doctor to me, you know, she's had ample time. Sorry? I'm going to reference Star Wars here because we've been watching everything. And obviously we started with the prequel trilogy, which has a bunch of really good actors in it and they are all terrible because George Lucas couldn't direct them for shit in front of a (laughs) green screen with like no idea what the hell they were actually doing. I don't think you can ever blame the actors when the script and the directing is failing. I think so. And that was like the end of this episode. I was so excited. Do you know what? Okay, so this is my main problem with this episode is that I know I've said that quite a few times. I have a lot of main problems. (laughs) (laughs) But the whole way through, it felt like it was building up to Ryan leaving and possibly Graham leaving as well. And I was so ready for that to happen. I'm so excited to think about Yaz and the Doctor going off on their own and to not have these two dead bumbling around doing nothing sitting on they sit, they're always sitting down somewhere I've never seen a companion sit so much in my life <laughs> <laughs> and, but to the point that that was the only thing I cared about was getting to the end of the episode so we could say goodbye to them I almost didn't even follow what the plot was I didn't care what the plot was and it's like if the only thing I want from this episode is to get rid of people surely that's fundamentally a bad episode <laughs> like surely we could have killed them off in the beginning and had a better episode without them um, it just felt like I was waiting for that to be over so that the next series could start and potentially be better and Jodie Whittaker might have a chance to shine and get some like good 
actors in that she can bounce off and maybe change the writers and the directors and everyone as well. <laughs> I, I just feel I I still maintain that she's a great actress and I think that she could do a really really good job and she's just never been given the opportunity. She is a good actress. Yes, absolutely. I I, I would not falter that. And also listening back to our review of Resolution earlier today, I myself say I love her. She's great. I I just wish she had better material to work with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but after a certain amount of time, surely you must also, as a performer, be able to inject a little bit of personality into this character yourself. And I don't feel that she's done that. I don't feel that anyone's done that. Can I outline the sheer scale of the task that you are asking Jodie Whittaker to perform in saying, Jodie, you have to elevate Chris Chibnall's writing into mere mediocrity, into something halfway palatable. Jodie Whittaker, the, the Doctor, has been trapped way longer than 19 years. Let's let's guess at 50 years in this prison in the middle of an existential crisis there's half a century of looking back over her previous two millennia and maybe countless millennia before that and questioning it this is a far deeper existential crisis than mere humans are capable of and she has to sell having experienced that being burdened by that and going from that to saying oh yeah I'm the doctor who defeats the Daleks. That's me. That's my raison d'etre. That's my purpose. Who can do that? Who is capable of making that leap? No, when I'm saying this, this is not necessarily a comment about her in this episode. It's a comment about her as the doctor in general. How long has she been the doctor now? I mean, granted, there's been one episode in a year. But I mean, she has had this role. She has inhabited this role for a few years now. Is it three years in total? Like two years of active work? That's plenty of time. That is absolutely plenty of time. Since we're reviewing the Capaldi episodes at the moment, we've also come across Capaldi episodes where, like, the, the directing in this one must have been absolutely pants, or the writing is absolute nonsense. But hey, but Capaldi was great, uh, Clara was great, always like those actors, you know. Yeah, because even with terrible source material, you're able to elevate at least your performance to a certain degree. But that's, I was going to bring that up actually as well, because we're going through the Capaldi ones now, and it did, it was such a stark contrast to see how Capaldi and Clara interact with each other. And it is having another great actor to bounce off, I think, that really helps you. Like, <laughs> That's all a of good their point. Interactions. <laughs> she doesn't yeah, have talent to cooperate with you. Exactly. All of their interactions are brilliant. I think sometimes, like, when they're separate for the most of the episode, sometimes it's not quite as good because maybe I don't know maybe the other cast members aren't as good or whatever but yeah I think Jodie Whittaker doesn't have anyone else really to bounce off and everything you've just said about that all this weight of this 50 plus years that she spent in jail and finding out about herself and like it should be so heavy yeah but that's not her fault that is the writing exactly she's not given an opportunity to express that in any way shape or form they just throw her in like it's a normal episode and there's just a handful of lines that are like oh i don't know who i am anymore yeah but she's still yeah that's true but she is still portraying the doctor like a clown that you rent for an afternoon's like children's birthday party and i i'm not a fan personally i'm not a fan of that that has nothing to do with I yeah. don't agree with that at all. I don't think I've ever... You've always said that, and I've yeah. never seen that. I absolutely, and I stand by it. <laughs> I, I've got another point, which is that Stephen Moffat 
his absolute strength was in dialogue between yeah. characters. Mm. There have been times where Capaldi, well, Capaldi took maybe two thirds to a whole series to find who the 12th Doctor was. Clara, through most of that same series, was a liar. But when they were talking to each other, it was so much fun. Mm. And the Doctor is defined in relationships with his usually singular companion. We're not getting any of that here. The Doctor has to talk to herself to have her most meaningful dialogue once in a great while, while the other three just sort of orbit her distantly, like dim satellites. So I think that is a huge part of what the 13th Doctor is missing. Actual relationships with the companions. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All valid And I don't think that's Jodie Whittaker's fault, because she can't can't make that out of nothing. Yeah, I understand that. I'm not blaming Jodie Whittaker for the quasi-downfall of one of my favourite shows ever. I know that she's a great actress, which is why I was so incredibly enthusiastic at, at the start. We were all incredibly enthusiastic at the start when she appeared, and we were hoping for more, but then it never happened. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe the writing and the directing prevents her from channeling her talents properly, but yeah, I'm sorry. I don't. I still don't really buy it. And actually, the more I think about it, I'm not entirely sure I bought her in Broadchurch either. I, I just wanted to add that um, I think the exception that proves the rule almost, that's right, <laughs> this context i forget but anyway the master i i think when they introduced the master and whitaker got to play up off against oh i've forgotten the guy's name but anyway, the one. master yeah those scenes were incredible um as i recall them anyway i would i would have to rewatch to cement that but i i think he played that role very well and jody whitaker got to play against someone with good dialogue i think they had good dialogue for those things and then, like the lone cyberman i think when she's up against a good villain who is willing to like antagonize and talk to the doctor she's been incredible and i i think it's always just been the companions the companions have been terrible they've been written badly they've been quite often acted badly which is not their fault they've just not got a lot to work with and i think excuse me seriously you're saying this i'm sorry i have to go on the offense against actors in general as a a freaking (laughs) class of people seriously what you're suggesting is that actors are never ever to blame for their output because if they're if they're great and convincing it's because they're good actors and if they're not it's because they're being directed badly i'm sorry there are such things as bad actors every single person portraying a companion on this show is a bad actor a bad actor being dealt bad material to convey in the best way they possibly can which is badly and unfortunately when they do that alongside someone like like whitaker who has more talent than they do i don't feel a contrast between them i don't feel like oh well this is like that time when james mason had to act alongside jim carrey like every now and then you see there's talent on one side of the room and there isn't on the other i never feel that (laughs) I i think fundamentally under all of this there is the fact that it's not so much fun anymore we can have clara being all over the place and capaldi likewise as long as they're fun a certain amount of the time i feel like these characters and the acting and performances attendant upon them are subject to directions where he's like we need to mute this we need to be serious we need to appeal to the serious sad children out there yeah. who 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 so far haven't had a program that's just for them they've had to put up with all these whizzes and bangs and entertainment and we need to appeal to the really morose somber kids and just dial everything down and if it starts to look fun you're doing it wrong you've got to be traumatized a minority in trouble who's run away from home 
you've lost your grandmother, you've lost your wife, you don't get on with each other. No one can be too happy. And after three years of that, this is where we are. And on top of that, it's tragedy for the Twilight generation. It's not, oh, you're really sad and you're encumbered by all of these horrifically tragic circumstances. Now convey that in your dialogue. It's look like that's happening to you. In this episode as well, we have all these shots of people just looking sad without saying a fucking word. You're paid to act. Get a mannequin. <laughs> a mannequin can also be made to look sad. Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's writing by framework. And a good example of this is near the beginning where I can't remember the guy's name, but he he's the lorry driver. And he's talking to the woman who will be prime minister. And she's doing an evil deal that he's not aware of. And plenty of times in the past, we have said, you get these characters and you don't care for them when they're bumped off. These characters are the weak. So Chibnall's idea was like, ah, I will contextualize them. I will link them in to their wider world and you will start to care for them so that when they're killed off, it, it's better than all the times previously when these other things happened. And so she just says, oh, yes. And how is your mother? And he's like, oh, yes. Thank you for reminding me. I have a mother. I am from a family who will mourn me when I am dead. And she's like, good. Off you go then. And that's it. I I totally forgot about that, but you are so right. And I really expected that to become a plot point. I was like, ooh, what's happened to his mother? There's, we're going to find something out. Maybe this is why he turns to the dark side, because he's going to he needs to save his mother for some reason. And then, no, it's just a random throwaway line that adds nothing. Let's not glaze over this character, because once again, just like in Resolution, and I wouldn't have remembered this had I not re-listened to our review of it. So in Resolution, the thing that we flash back to at the start of this one, the long time ago, far, far away, yeah. is the Dalek crashes through the ceiling and it kills the person who works at GCHQ. The person. The one <laughs> single person who works at GCHQ. Now, fast forward to today. Uh, or, well, yeah, I mean, shortly thereafter, whatever. The lorry driver is told by Joe, here, put this Dalek in the truck and drive it to our version of Area 51, Depository 23. Yeah, I might stop for a cup on the way. Yeah, okay, fine, do that, only because it's you. That is not how you do anything. And also, are you the only people who work here? There's Joe <laughs> and lorry driver and a an alien monster robot that has to be taken somewhere. It's like clearly pretty important shit. Literally, no one else works there, and she is happy for him to stop at a roadside kiosk to get a cuppa, because it's him. <laughs> this is, again, the whole, like, everyone and a few things. Like, I think Chibbers, to him, it's like, location means entity. So if you if you have mm. one person at GCHQ, that means that that person is representative of all of G GCHQ. GCHQ is Joe, and the infrastructure that transports aliens collateral is a lorry driver <laughs> with a bladder of steel. Fast forward to Leo, the the guy, the lab dude, working on his own yeah, with no yeah. co colleagues in a damp warehouse. There's like there's no staff. Somehow he has built a real like a Dalek. <laughs> So, wait, somehow he is a freaking genius in every kind of science and technology yeah, field. Who is this yeah. guy? It's like, no, fuck you. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, the tech, I'm the tech guy, but by the way, I'm also an expert yeah. in biology. I've just grown. Just clone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, by the way, for. this technology, yeah. which is That's not available to humanity, I've got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
tell you what, it is James Bond slash first person shooter logic. There should be thousands of people in GCHQ, no, most worse. of them useless. <laughs> and he should never have been able to clone this Dalek without anybody else knowing. Should, like, there'd be a team of them and they would have had meetings and gone, is this the right thing to do? Should yeah. we clone this thing? Yeah. In a first person shooter, you approach the big building and one or two people come out of it, maybe, and you shoot them and that's it. Level clear, stage clear. That's what this is like for Chibnall. Yeah, and then this goes one step further later on in a section that I would like to entitle uh, Japan, comma, um, why? Because... So, all right. So it's a bit of a panic. No, it can take four minutes to get there in the TARDIS. Yeah. So, but, well, it takes them four minutes in the TARDIS, but you know what? How did Leo get there? Leo, who's walking around with an alien squid on his back, somehow boarded a plane and flew to Osaka. How did he get to Japan? How much time did the Dalek need to hollow out what ought to be a fucking skyscraper? to put a giant tower of clone tanks in there. It, the building, by the way, is a single-story building, so this is a skyscraper underground, must be. <laughs> <laughs> like, how long can that have taken? The doctor said, quote, this is a recently opened facility. Recently opened. Oh, in a, a few uh, weeks, an alien who has only access to Wi-Fi got a bunch of Japanese people to hollow out the Earth and build alien clone tanks in there what with what resources how did it get cloned tissue to japan why is it in fucking japan put it in sheffield (laughs) what were they feeding them before they blitzed up all the workers just (laughs) humans in the tank yeah i don't know they were were petri dish scale at that point Uh, and was it a case of like uh, all right here japanese i'm assuming day laborers because otherwise people are going to get missed and there needs to be paperwork involved could you guys over there please take those guys and put them in a blender? <laughs> or was it a case of like everyone walk into the blender? <laughs> but first you do, before you do, make sure that all the conduits are set up, you know. <laughs> You just jump on their back and you walk them to a Wallace and Gromit style um, blending apparatus machine and then you backflip off and then they fall onto the next one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, you know, it really is a shame there isn't a giant building in Sheffield that Jack Robertson owns with a huge cavernous network underneath where you could put all this exact same stuff without having to go to Japan. True, true. There you freaking go. Perfect. Perfect. It's already been established. Yeah. Wait, I have to I have to inject a thing here because I didn't think of it at the time through watching, but you've set me on a Star Wars. Uh, oh, here we go. Yes, yes. In my head. And I was picturing the factory making the Daleks alongside the factory with the clones. And it's the fucking Clone Wars. Like it is made it <laughs> like robots versus clones. And obviously it's not quite that how it happens in the actual battle, but yeah. But you're also, right. The scale is wrong. You see like hundreds of thousands of Dalek shells and you see maybe a few thousand clone bats even that many because yeah. they're all in there's like a massive massive tank for one clone yeah. isn't it yeah like, but it, there really are still really like let's say f- a, a minimum 50 of them on top of each other as far as we can tell possibly even f- 
even further. Yeah. Like, it's a massive town. It's a skyscraper of clones. Ugh. Anyway, my, my point is basically <laughs> it didn't have to be Japan. I think this is another thing that I believe we are well within our right to blame Chibas for. Because I, I, th- I think Chibas seems to think that if you add disparate, faraway locations, that by itself makes the show more interesting. We had that in previous... Oh, we had that in Resolution with the, oh, here's someone in Iceland and here's someone in wherever and blah, blah, blah. Like, it, that doesn't do anything unless you also involve the local history and people and culture. <laughs> This warehouse was in Osaka, but we didn't see a single Japanese person. We didn't know why it was no, in, no, in Japan. Not a single one! No. Like, it, it, yeah. And the fact that it was a warehouse in Osaka in itself is completely extraneous because like, not only could it have been literally anywhere, but we clearly just recognized it as a BBC soundstage or a green screen. So, like, it wasn't a location shoot. They got a pan of Osaka from Shutterstock, and then they included this one shot. Like, th- there's no reason for it to be there. In fact, it only makes the plot less comprehensive. So, yeah. yeah it made me actually think, uh, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it was the one where there was, like, an alien species that had, like, a parasite taking them over, and it was all about the environment, and there was, like, the plastic thing under the ocean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they, they did exactly the thing. I can't remember where they went, but, like, this cop travels across to probably somewhere in Asia as well. You're right yeah this astronaut guy that's been captured and it's exactly the thing it's like a random really bland street he goes through a doorway could be literally anywhere in the world that is a perfect example of it also in that episode we don't get to meet any locals no so why is it there I would be prepared to say it's the same set. <laughs> like, yeah, out, outdoor. <laughs> Might have we been. see a little outdoor. Yeah. yeah. We've Just... built this street, this Japanese street. Can we use it? <laughs> <laughs> There's a sushi restaurant behind the BBC building. Like, can we just walk past that a few times? <laughs> I just wanted to say a positive thing. Oh? No, no time for that. (laughs) What's up, Drew? We've had various Dalek and Cybermen invasions in New Who where maybe one or two people have been killed off and we've been like, really? This is a global threat and we see one person die. We see the skeleton falling down. Arg, And that's it. In this one, the Daleks were pretty fucking deadly. Yeah, they were. Dozens of people were getting bought at great length. I I will back you up. That was a plus point. I like the fact that Daleks kicked some fucking ass. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, they were truly dangerous in this one. That's very true. I the the negative spin on that though is you have the Prime Minister of the UK stood alongside, going, "Here are my new new favorite toys." Uh, cut to let's say the Tower of London, where people are just walking past these toys, not listening to the Prime Minister announcing these new toys, going, "Oh yeah, yeah a robot's checking me in. That's fine." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the timeline's a bit off there, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, and actually, you've just reminded me of another thing. If this had been Eccleston era, or maybe any of RTD era, the Doctor had a relationship with the Prime Minister. They were always in and out of number 10. But here, the political class commits this enormous atrocity, and uh, the Doctor couldn't give a shit about it. And it's just remote, and they essentially escape judgment. Yeah, true. Eccleston would have laid into them. Tennant would have screamed at them. She knew that it was alien tech didn't she she'd yeah. planned it so that he got hold of it yeah so she's not well she she's dead though so you can't go and scream at a dead person you can you can go back in time and say <laughs> you're a you time machine you can scream shit. at everyone i'm just <laughs> telling you off now i'm not gonna stop you i'm just telling you off yeah, yeah. doesn't she look fried <laughs> <laughs> 
it's not relevant apart from what you just said about going back in time but it's i just remembered and it's really annoyed me as well the doctor makes a comment about oh maybe i should go back in time 10 months to land at the right time so that i won't have left you guys on your own and i can spend the last 10 months with you like you're gonna fuck with the timeline because they were too bratty to appreciate that you've been in prison yeah and meanwhile everyone can die in just the same way that's not what i care about yeah, exactly. She doesn't want to change anything. She just wants to hang out with you for 10 months. Like, just but just transport stupid, stupid Ryan and Graham to the prison that isn't quite Sharda. Just do that. Put them there. <laughs> <laughs> and 19 years later, pick them back up again and go like, so, oh, I'm sorry I'm late. Oh, I'm sorry. Really? How long has passed? Yeah. Oh, that annoys me in a whole new way because that just nods to how previous doctors did fuck with the timeline or were much more agonized about it. And Chibbers just puts it up on the screen as a nod and thinks that's enough <laughs> yeah. and like i do like yaz and i was looking forward to, to yaz and the doctor but even yaz saying that line is pathetic a lot of past companions i think could have pulled the doctor up and said you know you can't do that that's that's way that's way too far and you'd accept it because they have a relationship and half the time that's what the companion is there for is to bring humanity to the doctor especially like with capaldi for instance but yeah there's none of that and so that coming from yaz is just like well no doc you shouldn't have said that and yaz you have no right to like question these things you don't understand that yeah ah, don't worry john bishop's gonna make it all better <laughs> Yeah, should we, we should address that. We should address that. I'm not familiar with John Bishop's oeuvre. Could, could someone please enlighten me and anyone else in podcast land who, like me, is not familiar with him? All I know is when his face came on, I was like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> I don't even think I've seen him in much. But he's just another old, grey-haired comedy actor. They've basically just replaced Graham with another comedian. Are we certain that he is a potential companion, though? Could he not be an antagonist of some sort? I don't know. The way they were setting him up, it felt very companion-y. I've seen tweets that he's excited to travel in the TARDIS. Oh, really? (laughs) So something that... This was the thing thing that that made me so angry, actually, at the end of it. This is is my worst thing about... this episode is a the fact that he gets introduced at all when have we ever 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 had a companion introduced in that way that's the thing we haven't but we've introduced actors who play the doctor introducing john hurt as the doctor after he'd appeared in an episode sure but we've had the introducing as the doctor and i hated it then but i hate it even more now because it's Basically, we've cut the dead weight that is Ryan and Graham. We've been building up Yaz for the whole series and for this episode. And maybe maybe they don't have the good rapport that the Doctor and a Companion have had before. But of any of them, they were the closest to it. And maybe now that we're focusing on one Companion, one Doctor, we can get back to the formula that we know works. We can have a really good series. We can go off and like the, the hints that we've been saying in this episode about her going back to find out who she was, to learn more about her history, blah, blah, blah. She can do that with Yaz. Like, I was so excited for an epi- like a series with just Yaz at the end of it. And then I got about two minutes of being excited and then this John Bishop thing fell. And it's just like, it's not enough for them to just have like the companion. We need to like hook people in and there needs to be a celebrity and it needs to be big and flashy and showy. And I, I just, why? I but don't did know. you also feel that there was something sinister about that reveal? Like some, no. something sinister about him? No, not at all. Oh, was that just me? What I, what I took away from it was... Oh, here we are, provincial working class people with vans. Yeah, well, you look wistful all of a sudden, my John, my fellow. That's it. I'm sorry, what was that, Garen? <laughs> 
Never you mind. Stop being so impertinent. <laughs> but I feel like if they need to bring him in, if they've got a good storyline for him, fair enough. If we'd come into the next series and they do it in a nice way and I get, you know, involved with his character, then fine. I'm not against him per se. I am I don't like it when they put comedians in Doctor Who. I like very rarely works in my opinion. Oh, Catherine um, Tate though. But, oh. <laughs> well true. <laughs> I think I think that's just proven both our arguments. Exactly. Um, but yeah, if I would be open-minded enough for them to do it in that way, but I just do not need this thing inserted so that I've got that to look forward to. What I wanted was a little sneak like sneak preview of the next the season. future adventures. Yeah, yeah. I want to see yeah. Who they're going to meet next season? That's what we normally get. Yeah, that's we true. Didn't. Yeah. No, they haven't shot it yet. They maybe haven't written it yet. I don't know. But <laughs> no, I'm really, I'm, like, I'm hoping that there's something be... more interesting. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go for it. Sorry. Well, if you're right, I will be more than pleased. Like uh, at the minute, I'm expecting it just to be another fucking companion who she won't have any rapport with, and there'll be too. Ma- there's too many companions and there's too many storylines going on, and that's why they don't have any connection. Yeah. And they're just throwing another one into the mix, and so it's going to be shit. But if you happen to be right then i will be thrilled because i don't want that to happen i'm with you on this like like i said it's all speculation but who knows and and i think it is designed precisely to stoke that speculation and i think that leon you are going to be sorely disappointed and the most pessimistic of us are going to be proven right (laughs) (laughs) great The tweets they put out, I don't think they are, unless they're going to do a bait and switch, they are not hiding the fact that he is a companion. And I cannot fathom how, in a good way, they're going to go from losing Graham and Ryan to then somehow getting another human companion alongside Yaz and it click. Like, it's going to be torture. Because that's the thing, whenever we've had more than one companion, there's always a main companion, and then there's generally their boyfriend. And you, you get or to Adam. Know, and, or Adam. Yeah. Or, or Adric. The second <laughs> companion through the eyes of the first. So the first companion has the closest relationship with the Doctor, and then over time you get to love, like, to know and love the second companion. And that's fine, that works. But yeah, they're just going to throw a, a complete stranger in, and somehow everybody has to get to know him. I don't know. Yeah. In fewer episodes than usual. I do yeah. not see Yaz <laughs> finally getting the arc she deserves, except yeah. in our upcoming audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> that, that's the thing. I, I was excited to, for, Yaz, yeah, to, for Yaz to finally shine, because I think she does have acting chops as well. I think yeah. of, of the three, she was definitely the strongest. And, and on, her character so there was the a lot interesting. We were, yeah, absolutely. And we were on Twitter last night, and there were a lot of people that were very upset that they wouldn't get to see Yaz and the Doctor have their run together. And then there was a lot of people kind of coming in going, oh, just because you wanted two women, blah, 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 you're not getting your own way. And that really pissed me off because it's nothing about her being a woman. It's about of the three, I think three was too many and they picked the one that was the most interesting and it happened to be Yaz. If it had happened to be Ryan, I would have got behind that as well but it wasn't. And to say that you know, we're just radical feminists who just want women to take over Doctor Who. No, we've been watching it for decades. We've supported 12 male doctors. Like, <laughs> we, I will continue watching it when they inevitably go back to another male doctor. Like, it's not about that. It's about the best characters and giving them their like their time yeah. to shine. And I just feel like Yaz has been robbed again. Yeah, and I don't think she's actually very interesting. I think she's got some mileage and potential left in her. If Graham and Ryan had left a series ago, maybe she'd be interesting by now. Yeah, that's the thing. We just don't really. Yeah, I mean, mean, it's almost like, all right, fine, give her one more chance. (laughs) 
but really, like realistically, after this many years, like maybe just cut your losses, get rid of her entirely, and find someone new to, to hang out with. I do wonder, yeah, if they'd manage to find a way to write them all out and just start again. Yeah, start fresh. Tabula rasa. But I do yeah. think she has the greatest. I mean, yeah, sorry, you're right, Drew. Like potential is the right word here. It's not interest. I I, I concede. It's like, but given the fact that she has this background in in law enforcement, she's a, an aspiring detective. Yada yada yada. This all of this may be explored in a future audiobook. <laughs> there is tons to work with there, and they haven't yet. So freaking do that. Either there is way, a I... reason why we focused on her and initially wrote Graham and Ryan to just sit around. Yeah, <laughs> and then wrote them out entirely. Oh wow! So you predicted this, guys. Yeah, I mean, this was conceived before the dropping of this episode, and we figured we we're, we're going to drop our audiobook. We're going to have recorded and produced our audiobook before Ryan and Graham have a chance to leave the show so that we can really kick them in the balls before they go and hammer home how utterly superfluous as companions they are. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, it turned out deleting them from the plot was really super easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I've got a few more negatives and a couple of positives on my list. Go on, surprises with a positive. Okay, sure. I really liked the look of the Dalek spaceship. So this is a superficial wow. positive. But I <laughs> thought it looked great. <laughs> Inside or out? I've asked that question many times, Jim. Uh, inside. <laughs> the, inter- inside. <laughs> the, the interior. The <laughs> interior. Of the Dalek ship, I thought looked really great. So oh, my dad's listening to this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> At the same time, they were just well bedecked corridors. Yeah. Did you yep. like the corridors? <laughs> I mean, if Doctor Who can do anything, it's corridors. So <laughs> competent, as I said. Although you know what? Now, in retrospect, I don't think that the Dalek ship had the the quintessential, the the iconic Dalek spaceship pulse in the background. I don't think it was there. Death Squad Daleks. Death to the womb womb. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, different rules apply. (laughs) To very quickly go back on the Death Squad Dalek thing. Like, Uh how often do we really get it that the Doctor goes to the companions? Ah, this is blah 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 in such a confident way with a foe we the audience know but it's a detail we have never heard of like introducing like every other time I can think of we've got a new type of Dalek we see the new type of Dalek for the first time with the Doctor seeing the new type of Dalek yeah that's true she is aware of this type of Dalek and that annoyed me and it seems like really easy to find them as well yeah really easy for them to find you (laughs) and this is after the Doctor as far as we're aware has spent over half a century travelling through that time vortex this is like villain MacGuffin like central now is yeah. it just means you can just make up anything the doctor can just spiel some shite about yeah. something and it's now canon <laughs> and your men know what this is and it doesn't matter anymore it's like you don't have to establish anything just just write one line about it it's cool <laughs> I now can't let this pass without noting how the doctor said we can't let them find us and then parked the TARDIS in a prominent position on a London bridge so they would have a great view of everything. And steps out of said TARDIS as they are whizzing by. (laughs) (laughs) So dumb. So incredibly dumb. (laughs) Yeah. It was so... 
because it was so much of the episode was wasted with all this mumbo jumbo feely emotional non-emotional crap with ryan all of the dialect stuff did get wrapped up so quickly because at one point i was half expecting it to be a two-parter i was like she's gonna get rid of the first lot of daleks but then you've got another lot of daleks and there were thousands of them came out and it just yeah it was just so very easily wrapped up yeah as a nuclear like, if it was- option this was it's like a little 5p firecracker <laughs> it was <laughs> not a big threat at all no like and and the dalek should be scary like whenever we've seen like older doctors confronted with a dalek who's the one is it eccleston when he was with rose and he sees a dalek who's like chained up and he's still like terrified and yeah like, running away from it. And, in, in dalek yeah well, they, and they, they created episode. that in resolution to an extent that's true yeah resolution yeah, but, was fantastic yeah good point but that's the thing is like we've we've so we've seen that with this doctor even but now she's happy to invite thousands of them to the planet and yeah why wouldn't they want to kill humanity this is yeah. this is the the setup we get is that oh we could bring more daleks here oh no they won't care about the human race they're not mindless killing machines that want to wipe out all organic life no <laughs> <laughs> these are the good daleks like it just doesn't track yeah no, it's, oh. and also they're the sas level daleks daleks with an incredibly advanced strategic mind so of course they'd all pile into the same trap one <laughs> them wouldn't wait outside just in case yeah while well, their spaceship is detonated what happened to that spaceship by the way is half of london or sheffield or wherever this was on fire right now because bits of dalekanium have rained down on everyone yeah and is next year the same uh, di- the next prime minister gonna get some other tech dude building spaceship <laughs> yeah. because there's just so much alien technology lying around for anyone to grab yeah utter garbage how <laughs> did you feel positive was it leon is it a negative <laughs> <laughs> sorry i twisted that uh, great set design uh, so <laughs> how do you feel about the two dalek bosses basically meeting underwhelmed would be my one word take i mean anyone else? i would agree with you it didn't stand out for me because i was waiting for any level of whelming and it just never came <laughs> So yeah, now looking back on it, I agree. It also doesn't it, like it doesn't achieve anything. Is is really the thing for me anyway? Like yeah. they they meet, they talk about maybe having an accord. They don't reach one. One blows up the other. Could have done without that scene. <laughs> I mean, they've done that, though, in, in Victory of the Daleks, haven't they? Where the Rainbow Coalition of Daleks um, oh, yeah, kills right. the Camouflage Daleks. Very similar interaction. Very right, yeah. rationale. Also, the rationale behind killing all of the clone Daleks is identical to an audiobook that we um, had to listen to, the very first Paul McGann one, Blood of the Daleks, which also is about like racial purity within Dalek factions. Yeah, and this has come up in Classic Who, hasn't it? And it's, it's an established Dalek trope, and it was summarised very briefly here and didn't add anything. It's, both sides of it somehow subtracted from each other. Yeah, I guess, I mean, the, the purpose of that scene is for them to say, like, we've scanned, you are the last one, we've destroyed you now, okay. The series can move on, confident that there aren't random clone Daleks left on Earth. But we don't get a similar scene for them all piling into the TARDIS, apart from nope. Dave, who was a bit slow. <laughs> <laughs> Dalek 347. It's like... <laughs> It's got one jet booster that's like a little off. So it's just like flying around in a circle. It's like, I'm trying to get into this TARDIS, but I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> or it's just like chasing some random human down the street. It's like, exterminate, exterminate. Shit. No, I've, I've got to get this one. I'll be there in a second. Exterminate, exterminate. <laughs> then all his friends get killed. Like, and then <laughs> post credit sequence, that Dalek, Dalek 347, is now trying to live a normal life on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Disguised as a van, which John Bishop is unloading. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that explains it finally. Yeah, that the face-off scene with the two head Daleks. I really expected the dialogue for him to say, "I'm not like the clones. Like I'm the same as you guys." Basically, I thought that was going to hold weight. I thought there was going to be some meat to that scene, and there'd be a reason for that one to be left alive, and that would be a future plot point, perhaps. That now he, he was a reconnaissance Dalek. We hadn't seen that before. He's picked up some information Daleks haven't had before that's going to make them more powerful or something in the future but no just done yeah, yeah. And, and and that just ties into this episode was 70 minutes long it was way longer basically the BBC were going to let Chibnall have as long as he liked and he took that extra running time and he filled it with the wrong characters emoting in the wrong way <laughs> and the wrong action happening and so it's even more of a waste than it otherwise would have been if it were 45 minutes you could understand a bit of rush and a bit of leaving stuff out but no he had as long as he wanted to give everyone the swan songs they needed or wanted and we didn't get any of it yeah i think that that is is, and it's a double kicker because they've decided to introduce someone like i don't know why they decided to introduce them now but i'm guessing john bishop wasn't on the radar in january 2019 that's an entirely separate thing so they couldn't have filmed it with him then fair enough but if you've made that decision now what you know don't announce it now or whatever do a special thing where he's introduced properly as part of the plot um yes exactly or if you did know about it in 2019 make a decent storyline that transitions between the current TARDIS team and the new TARDIS team like, something yeah like introduce him at the end of the episode because we've had that before where a character will just appear at the end of an episode and we go oh shit what's this and it's leaning into the next series yeah I have to say it again it, it sh- <laughs> oh it should have been a swan song like when a companion leaves even one who you don't like like Catherine Tate for example uh-huh. I was like I was never mad Great example but okay go on but <laughs> <laughs> But by the time she left, it was such a big thing. It was an emotional thing. She'd sacrificed herself for the Doctor. It was heart-wrenching that she was going to have to leave. And she was leaving all these memories behind. And, and, you know, she can never look back. It was really, really upsetting, for even for someone who wasn't a big fan of her as a character. And so if there are, there might be people out there that really respond with Ryan and Graham and love them and are sad that they've left. And like two minutes after they've gone, you're like, boom, with the next person. There's no Mm. like time to decompress to go, oh, wow, okay, like that's that era is over. It just, it's not giving them any, like the time that they deserve. Yeah, true. Yeah. And Leon and I actually just talked in the last audio episode about how we've had loads of companions leave recently across all the different channels, classic, new, and audio. And, and now it's bonus. always <laughs> yes, and it's always bombastic, and it's always a climax. And yeah, here, yeah. and the options were sort of like either they die in the most magnificent way possible, or in classic, who the companion would get a boyfriend that week, and it would be, <laughs> and it would it was really antiquated and best left in the past. And wouldn't it be crap if a companion just left to reintegrate into society and just sort of be a slightly souped up normal? And that's exactly what we get twice. Yeah. 
It's just so underwhelming. Yeah, the the only weird parallel I could think of actually was um, Amy and Rory, but because they wound them in and out of episodes for a while, and they got the angels actual ending like they basically were trying to live a life without the doctor and just they had careers and stuff but it felt more anchored it felt more real we just get a few spouted lines of ryan wants to you know be be part of his mate's lives and we see a brief reference to that in a previous episode where his his friend features in it and he's confused why he's been absent for stuff but I don't know, it's it's not the payoff that we've yeah. had previously even with a similar storyline and with amy and rory matt smith is weeping over their grave and River Song is there to comfort him and console him and he's broken in half. And And it's also like they they're keeping a connection with the doctor even though they've sort of decided we can't travel with you all the time we need to stay here and lead lives but come over for christmas dinner and they see them you see them in the garden having a glass of wine with river and catching up on her, all her adventures and like they're still part of each other's lives whereas this is just a like goodbye forever you don't mean enough to me for me to like it's not like i'm gonna drop in on you and check how you are in 10 years time or whatever <laughs> Just, oh, go on then. Yeah, here's a fun bit of paper to play with. Go on, run over the corner. (laughs) (laughs) And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Liam, why don't you round us off with a little mini review of your own? (laughs) (laughs) I'll do just that. I know this maybe seems like a weird thing to say after having spouted vitriol for an hour and a half, but I I wonder if maybe I was a little too mean in this little mini that I've prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay, well, um, (laughs) I didn't think it possible, but it appears that Chibbers must have had a lot of tea, because he's still able to squeeze out a few more drops as he continues his now over two years long piss on the grave of Doctor Who. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Do not apologize. (laughs) That was magnificent. I'll take you out a few pros and cons about this episode, but I don't want to go into further detail because we've just covered that. And instead, I would like to focus on how this episode makes me feel about Doctor Who as a show. So let's put a pin in that for now. Um, Here are those pros and cons. Pros. The prison looked pretty amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. Although (laughs) this is a pro, (laughs) this is a pro wrapped in the con. Although I would have kind of liked for it to have been established as Shada. And I would also really have enjoyed a more elaborate escape scene than just a run down a corridor or, you know, uh, yeah. would have been any level of staffing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seeing Captain Jack again, always a treat. Production values at, at times, cinema levels of uh, production values, like the special effects of the attack on is it Sheffield or maybe it's several places around the world? I can't remember now, but like very cool stuff. Cons. I felt the writing was naive. It was riddled with plot holes, lazy shortcuts, and unnecessary plot progressions. So that's it. That's all you get. So, Pin, how does this make me feel about Doctor Who? Well, <laughs> the sad truth is, and this episode continues to cement this, that I don't... Oh, fuck. I, I hate to say this. I don't like the show right now. Most importantly for me, this show used to be an uplifting romp across space and time with often hyperbolic stakes at play. And now it's this faux, gritty, shaky cam show about depressed people whose principles are wholly out of whack and who are led by an individual who alleges that she's the doctor, but I basically don't buy a word that she says. Chibbers and his team also still haven't got the pitch of the show right. Like, is it a kid's show? No. Is it a dog show about death and space murder? Yeah, not really, but... 
then why does the doc act like a part-time party clown? Why are people dying horribly? Why doesn't the plot make sense to an adult? It's a dark show about death and space murder until it needs to be resolved, at which point it becomes Saturday morning cartoons. You want it the other way around! Yeah, that feels like an imbalance to me. This episode proved once again that I cannot relate to the characters and that the production team isn't engaged enough in the source material even to make sense of like to, to make this something canonically sound. Case in point, on several occasions do they say, these creatures live in Daleks. No, Daleks are the creatures, they are not the tanks. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of this, we already touched upon this, but I didn't want a post-credit reveal of John Bishop as the new recurring character. What I wanted was a post-credit sequence of either, let's say, Capaldi as the 12th Doctor, or of uh, Whittaker as the 13th Doctor, or of a wholly different 13th Doctor played by, like, almost anyone, like one of our previous favourite candidates, like Richard Ayoade or Hermione Norris sitting in a TARDIS that looked almost exactly like the TARDIS that Doc gold-fingered at the end of this one watching this episode on the BBC on her or his space and time visualizer and going, well, that was pants. I especially didn't like the weird backstory with the timeless child. That made no sense. This is HBO (laughs) closing character arcs in Game of Thrones before the final books have even been written all over again. And then he or she turns off the space telly, turns to her companion, who's K-9, by the way, and goes, <laughs> shall we go on an adventure and pick up maybe one human to join us along the way? And then she pulls a lever. End of episode. See you next season. Uh, <laughs> I haven't given up hope yet because I love this show. But, like, in general, I love this show. But episodes like this are not helping. And I'm really sorry to be such a downer. I'm sorry that I've been such a downer this entire evening. I apologize. Plus points, uh, at least we got rid of 66.6% of the companions who contributed next to nothing and showed no potential for character growth whatsoever. Hey, plus column. That's an improvement. So, uh, yeah, screw you, episode. I've written down a rating. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's not high. (laughs) Anyone else? Give it a zero. (laughs) I didn't give this a naught point something. I I wrote down 1.8. Do you know what? I I think that's about where I would have been, though. I know that we've piled into it. Yeah. But I think that, first of all, I'm going to rate the... As Jim says, when we come to review series 11 and 12, we'll remember things that were better. Yeah. And we... there are good episodes and we will rate them decently and i i this won't be shit it was competent i i was overall disappointed um but i wasn't really angry until now (laughs) (laughs) the last time we actually saw jodie whittaker Uh she was in a cupboard she was fantastic though exactly yeah for that minute and a half she was the doctor she was encouraging us and exhorting us and people responded to it in a huge way yeah and it was the most lo-fi thing imaginable forget all the cinematic production values that we've just talked about and you've extolled correctly that's who we want that's what we want we don't want all this other shit i i don't know if chibnall wrote that monologue for jodie whittaker i don't know who did whoever did just keep doing that because she is capable of being the doctor if she's given the material i thought you were gonna say i don't know if chibnall listens to the show but if you are (laughs) yeah i think he switched off halfway through leon's review (laughs) (laughs) i think that's generous Oh, after that first line, line about pissing out the tea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
I'm sorry for the negativity, but I'm not sorry for this opinion. It has nothing to do with not wanting change. We've said this on so many occasions, and I'm not going to have to explain myself again. I'm happy for there to be change in, in Doctor Who and in any franchise. It also has nothing to do with there being a female Doctor before anyone has the idea of writing that in to us. Like, absolutely not. Not at all. Some of the other favorite candidates of ours were also actresses. I don't care who plays this alien creature. It is not gender-specific. But mm. I don't feel like the current production team or the current showrunner has done a good job of it. That's that's it. Yeah. And some of it is due to capability, and some of it is due to choices. Yeah, definitely. I think, like, I'm not going to do a little review thing, but I think this is why I came away angry, was the episode itself was shit. I can accept there being a shit Doctor Who episode. It's very upsetting that we haven't had it for so long, and this is all we get, and it's terrible. Like, you couldn't put more effort into writing a good one-off, especially a festive episode like the Christmas episodes waver quite a lot in quality but they always stand out as their own sort of thing and they have a bit of schmaltz and I don't know some some of them can be really good and we had this feeling that yeah we were going to be trimming down the TARDIS team everyone was asking for it I, I can't imagine there are very many fans out there that wanted these three companions to stay as they were <laughs> Like and with and that was getting delivered. So I was very very hopeful. I was like, oh man, the next series we just got Doc and Yaz. This could be it. I've I've been loving Yaz the last series. She's been growing a little bit. It's not enough, but it was getting there. So much potential. And then wham, fucking John Bishop. And oh my god, just so angry. I just I could not believe that's that's what they wanted to do. And it just like I have been enjoying the the recent stuff. I I don't feel like I like losing my Doctor Who fan credentials i'm still loving the show but that made me really question like beyond anything else that made me really question the direction and chibnall at the helm it's like that's what you want to do after people have been just screaming at you for probably two seasons you have too many people in the tardis is to trim it down and then immediately put one back in sorry to interrupt but do you think it is because of the, the of, of what marie uh, addressed a, a moment ago that the whole if they don't introduce a new companion in John Bishop, then it is a TARDIS piloted by two women. Do you think that this is just cowardice on the part of the BBC and maybe Chibbers or that production team in general to go like, no, we want to we want to address that before anyone has a chance to abandon this show because there are too few men in it? There are definitely number counters at the BBC who want the absolute maximum audience for the first episode of the next series. And some deep secret committee level they have decided that this is the way to do it yeah, it's, it's like, a ratings ploy it's like yeah yeah the two men have left but don't worry don't worry there's another man coming that's <laughs> you know, uh, it's sad i i w- would like to go on record and say i probably stole half of marie's point so i don't know if she wanted to add anything <laughs> close, <I forget laughs> no, you've, you've said it all Jim, but that was basically my half an hour rant yesterday <laughs> <laughs> Like, <laughs> we were very much in in an, in an accord, but yeah, I'm jumping on the the angry band bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's your own fault, Marie. You got to keep your powder dry. <laughs> <laughs> this love is now let's hear from podcast land. Max to fifty, or it would get out of hand. We have a mini review from our one and only Michael Ridgeway. Ridgeway. Hello, Michael. Hi, Michael. Thank you for writing in today. So big. Michael, as usual, begins with some likes. First one, Captain Jack. Oh, yeah, this episode had Captain Jack in it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Next, like the evil corporate dude and his cracking one-liners. The line on purchase order numbers resonated. More of him, please. Hang on. Wait, I don't do this often. But really? Like... (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you said up for most of these likes, probably. (laughs) More bureaucracy speak, please. That's the high point. (laughs) (laughs) It's a low bar, (laughs) Drew. I don't think we were this enthusiastic about this exact same character when he showed up in the spider one. Arachnids, what's it called? Arachnids in Sheffield? What's it called? You know what I mean. It's in the UK. That's the one. (laughs) Yeah. And I was gutted to see he was coming back. I was like, really? Him of all the returns? Yeah. But okay, yeah, fine. (laughs) Next like, someone, take it. Face hugger Daleks. Yeah, all right then. (laughs) Next like, Dalek on Dalek fight, reminiscent of Seventh (laughs) Doctor, classic remembrance of the Daleks. Mm-mm. Ah, the old fake Doctor's TARDIS trick. And the last like, nice sneaky piss take on Tory, strong and stable, and enough of experts soundbite. Ah, see, this is the soundbite I'm not familiar with. This is the Michael Gove one that you were talking about at the start? Yeah. Gotcha, yeah. okay. But Michael also has some boobs. Michael is assuming that every tea and butty van along that trucker's route was drugged. Otherwise, that coincidence is a lot to swallow. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> Next. Beef. I wanted an actual revolution of the Daleks. Maybe setting up a long civil war arc. It was all over too fast. Yeah, agreed. Mm. Yeah. And Michael continues, Davros is appearing any minute now, right? Right? That's his voice in the Osaka warehouse, right? He's going to be on the big Dalek ship, right? Take me to your leader. Here we go. <laughs> yes, yes. Take me to your leader. Who else is it? Is he in that Dalek? Maybe he's going to pop up as a hologram. Perhaps he's in the upcoming post credit scene, Marvel style, laughing maniacally. <laughs> setting up some big art for the next season. I never expected John Bishop to be Davros. <laughs> Maybe they'll fool us all. And the next beef, worst companion exit ever. I want to spend some time with my boring microwave salesman, Dad. (laughs) Really? You've been gone 10 months, Doctor. So what? Get a grip, Ryan. And why does Graham have to leave? You can't live your life through your grandson, buddy. You said we'd all change. Well, you haven't changed much if you still think learning to ride a bike on a frigging mountain is a sensible idea. Morons. And Michael's last is John who? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And note that who is lowercase, not uppercase. (laughs) In summary, says Michael, a nice follow-up to resolution with a lot of good stuff, albeit a Davros-sized hole and a dumb companion exit. And Michael gives us a very generous rating of 3.3 out of 5 Japanese workers pulped into Silent Green. (laughs) Yuck. This seems to be a recurring bait in Doctor Who. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent mini. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. So big. Maybe a little too big on this occasion, but sure. (laughs) Yeah, you have a big heart, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what they say. (laughs) People who are not Michael can contact Michael online. He can be found at... Bad. Underscore. Movie. Underscore. Club. No more underscores. So that's it for the New Year special. Next up, we have a classic. I think that's right. It will be the Keeper of Tracken. 
Uh, closely followed by a new who. That would be Heaven Sent. And we have a couple of question marks after that. The next audio, Leon? Yeah, who knows? Please, <laughs> Podcast Land, send us your suggestions. We've already received a few suggestions. They're all going in the bank and they're all fantastic ideas. So thank you very much. But keep them coming. Finally, we have the super exciting bonus in production imminently, I am told. Ish. Uh, Strange <laughs> readings. Ooh. Yeah. So intriguing. And I mean, we still more... need to wrap up the script, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we assure you it will be much better written than the one we've just reviewed. So Yeah, and it will have the right <laughs> yeah. number of companions. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. So that's it from us for now. Where can people reach you online, should they so choose? Drew? Why, I can be found on Twitter at DrewBackWhen. Excellent branding. Oh, you're too kind. <laughs> <laughs> Leon? Uh, I can be found at Ponkin, P-O-N-K-E-N. High-five me online, I will high-five you right back. And uh, Jim, how about you? I can also be found in the Twitter sphere at Jimmy the Who. Also good. Mm-hmm. And your good self, where can people find you, Marie? Uh, I'm on the Instagram at Hamash and Jelly. Mm, three mm, of my favourite things! <laughs> you just got in ahead of me going, mm, that's three of my favourite things! <laughs> <laughs> well then, thank you so much for coming on this journey with us. We hope it wasn't too negative, but hey, sometimes <laughs> you just need a rant. Yeah, we've Carry had a rough on. year. <laughs> yes. Carry on looking after each other. Take care of yourselves. We love you and um, rock on and be excellent to one another. (laughs) Yeah, please continue to stay safe. 2020 is behind us, but the situation, the circumstances are not yet. So remain responsible. Thank you so much. Toodle pip. Ciao. Bye bye. Fuck 2020. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode and lastly give us a rating and review on iTunes it helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points that's it rock on and be rad and excellent to each other catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode until then ciao ciao who back when